Welcome to the Side by Side podcast, where we connect busy female leaders in ministry to the practical resources they need today. We are your co-hosts, and I am Annie Purdue Olson. And I'm Heidi Swart. You know, I had the honor of interviewing Kristen Evenson, a change and transition coach who is trained in neuroscience this week. And I love that we got the chance to talk about those chaotic moments where, um, you know, everything in life and leadership kind of blows up, or maybe Mm -hmm. it's in one area or another area that things (laughs) blow up. You know, the ones that make us feel like the world is going crazy, or maybe we're going crazy. Well, our brain does something really unique in those moments because it interprets those situations in a negative light. And that negative light that our brain starts speaking to us can actually change the way we handle those situations. But it's also an opportunity. And what Kristen and I talk about is that these opportunities are a holy invitation to experience God in a new way. And I love that idea of a holy invitation. That was such great language that she used throughout this uh, this conversation with you. And this conversation reminded me why I love when this intersection of faith and science, because yeah. they really do intersect far more often than we think. You yeah. know, science, quote unquote, discovers these things about the brain that we already know because it's yeah. the way God created us. And right. he tells us in his Bible, you know, it, he, he, in his word, in the Bible. And he, he talks about how we're able to renew our mind. And then science says, oh, oh yeah, actually we can do that. In fact, we call it neuroplasticity, <laughs> which is this big <laughs> word that just simply means we can build new pathways or we can renew our mind. So this intersection of of faith and science is so important because so often we just look at how they're so different and how they conflict. And yet Kristen did such a nice job of telling us how these two things can support one another. And this is such great news, I think for all of us. Yeah. And you know what? She does that, that well, as well as take it down to the practical. Mm -hmm. And what does this mean for our life? What does this mean when we're facing change or transition or hard things? What does this mean when we want to connect with God and renew our mind and become who we want to become? And so we get really practical. You are going to walk away with something today that you can try to engage God in new ways and simple ways and fresh ways that are going to renew your mind. Kristen shares a lot of her own personal story, but she's also drawing on this experience that she has leading in both business and ministry. So listen into a really great conversation today with Kristen. Hey, Kristen, I am so excited and grateful that you have decided to join us because I have been wanting to talk about this topic for a really long time. You know, I, busy women leaders really need to be thinking about spirituality and brain science and fresh ways, just simple, simple, fresh ways that we can renew our minds. And we're going to dive in and talk a lot more about that today. But before we do, um, I would love to have you tell the listeners a little bit about you and your journey. I love the name of your company. It's called Junctures. And I know there's got to be a story behind that name. So what is the story? Well, that's a great place to start, Annie. And again, (laughs) thanks for having me. I too have been looking so forward to this. Um, I just enjoy the energy and the content in your podcast. So it's super fun for me to be a guest. Yes. Love it. So Junctures, it's actually an evolving... um, the meaning is evolving for me, but it started, I, I actually spent most of my, the initial part of my career in brand strategy and communications. And I worked with companies across a variety of industries and they were always at a strategic juncture. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, okay, here's where we, here's where we are, what's next. 
So junctures had relevance um, in my consulting with clients. Um, but then it also became very personal for me. And I actually feel like I've I faced a lot of junctures throughout my life and career, but one was especially pivotal. And um, I think it's pretty illustrative of what we're going to talk about. I'd been with this um, Twin Cities advertising agency for about 20 years. Loved it. Um, but it was really stretching. I'd been a single mom for most of that time. My son was now in middle school. And I was just really feeling like I'd hit the wall. I was burnt out. I didn't know what was next. And in the midst of all that, I felt like I heard God calling me to quit my job, not knowing what was next. Now there's an adventure, right? Yeah, that was created a lot of chaos for me, <laughs> mental chaos and conflict. Um, you know, I, I'm a firstborn Iowa farm girl. We don't just up and quit things ever. Yes. But for sure, not knowing what's next. <laughs> so it was really, honestly, a, kind of a spiritual crisis for me. Um, and I can talk more about how I navigated that. But it was just, a, it was a juncture. And mm -hmm. what happened for me at that juncture, Annie, was that there was something in my soul that said, oh my gosh, could I really quit and have some time off and not, you know, catch my breath in life? And yet my brain was saying, no, 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 you'll lose your house. What if you don't find another job? Your son won't go to college. I mean, I just knew every bad possible thing that could happen. So it did create this really, you know, inner chaos. Um, and all of that together, my work and my personal experience just birthed this, I don't know, I've, I've really become kind of a student and kind of a geek about <laughs> junctures and transitions. Yeah. Um, I just think they represent, can represent the best of times and the worst of times. And and usually there's a big old, you know, oftentimes holy invitation right smack dab in the middle of it. Oh, man, I love the word holy invitation. I love how you talk about it like that, because um, one of the things you mentioned was like when we hit those junctures, there's a mental chaos that happens for us. Mm -hmm. And that that mental chaos does not feel comfortable, but but could potentially be a holy invitation at hmm. the same time as it was in your own journey. And so I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit more about, I know you're, you are um, studied in neuroscience. Not only are you a student and a geek of junctures, but you are a student of neuroscience and mm -hmm. the brain and what happens with the brain when we're at those junctures, when that mental chaos comes into play, what happens to our brain? Yes, this is what I'm a super geek about. Um, there's a quote that I love that I think brings that to light. And um, it's a quote we're familiar with, but then it's kind of been embellished. And it's the idea that when one door closes, another door opens. Mm -hmm. But meantime, it can be hell in the hallway. Mm. And that hell in the hallway is very familiar to me um, in the story I just shared, um, in leaders I've worked with. Um, in my own life and work and leadership. Um, and it speaks to the fact that our brain is so wired for certainty and wants to avoid risks at yeah. all costs. So when we enter that kind of a, an invitation, like I had, I, it was a holy invitation because what ended up happening, Annie, was I, I managed to you know, follow through, quit my job. Um, I ended up not working for a year and a half Wow. I can explain explain some of how the bills got paid. I can't yeah. explain all of how the bills got paid. It was a very mysterious and miraculous thing for me. 
But, you know, where my brain was expecting all these terrible negative things, negativity bias, um, expecting the worst, actually the holy invitation was I was being given the gift of catching my breath, being home with my son, walking to school with the dog to pick him up and walk him home, um, having this time off that I'd never felt I had the luxury of. Um, so that kind of a holy invitation, what's, what's God inviting for us? What does God long to bring to us that sometimes our mind can't even begin to fathom? And I actually, can I, one more thing about that. I just see that all through scripture. Um, yeah. For those of us who are, you know, spiritual leaders, how many times did God say, hey, Mary, I'm, you know, you're going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit and, yeah. you know, savior of the world. Um, <laughs> hey, Noah, why don't you go, you know, build a boat and even though it's a famine and desert and whatever. I mean, it's just to me, the spiritual journey is, if we're really honest about it, is a lot of invitations that don't always feel very holy or very um, positive, <laughs> but often and oftentimes require some courage to follow through on. I love that. There's this journey from, you know, mental chaos to holy invitation hmm. that happened in your own life. And that now um, you have geeked out and been a, an amazing <laughs> student of things and tools and ways that help people simply move from that mental chaos into that holy invitation. How did you do that in your own journey? Like how, what pointed you to neuroscience as the way to do that? In that pivot of that I experienced years ago, again, I just had this terrible chaos. And um, but I found myself, by the grace of God, in a spiritual community that was learning about yeah. fresh ways to pray and fresh spiritual practices. And and my ways of praying had really gone dry. I mean, I was honestly mad at God, and I didn't even know what to ask for, let alone. Um, yeah, let alone. So I happened to be in a spiritual community that was giving me fresh ways of praying that were um, much more about Christ-centered mindfulness, I would say, um, about being with God, not just talking to God and mm -hmm. listening to God. Um, and I just hadn't been brought up in those kinds of practices. You know, I was a good, like, list all the things you want and make sure you cover everyone on the list in your prayer. And um so it was really a shift for me. And what I realized was that this way of focus and mindfulness and kind of opening myself and oftentimes emptying myself of my own agenda actually helped me connect with God in a way that strengthened my soul mm -hmm. um, and made me more courageous for the things I often felt called to. Yeah. It seems like there's two things that were really important in that is one is that whole piece about moving from like the practice of prayer to, to being in his presence. Mm -hmm. And yes. that mindfulness you talk about is, is like experience and exploring the presence of God. But in your story too, something that really stood out to me is, is the um, connection and the camaraderie that you had in a spiritual community. Like when we have that too, I think those two things together make a really huge difference. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I, I have said many a time, and I, I believe it to my toes, had I not had a group of people around me, people that I was in conversation with, people who were discerning people, yeah. um, who could listen with me, pray with me, who honestly said, Kristen, we don't think you're crazy. I think you are hearing God's invitation. Mm -hmm. If I had not had that kind of a presence and chorus in my life, 
I, I just can't imagine that I ever would have had the courage to follow through with such a crazy, you know, invitation. So I think um, inviting those kinds of relationships and those kinds of um, conversations and that kind of listening into our life can be just really critical yep. for discerning and doing the will of God. Yeah. I love how you put those things together because I really think it is like if you want to make that journey from kind of that mental chaos into that invitation and and actually take the courageous step of saying yes to that holy invitation. I I just want to make sure that everybody can relate to the fact that I think just in everyday leadership in life, there are plenty of these <laughs> invitations that are not quite so, you know, um, what? explosive, <laughs> if you will. Um, I mean, I, I think we're just, we're seeing in our world today, like choices to be a leader, to stand up for what we believe in or to confront, um, lovingly confront something we're not comfortable with, those can can elicit this same kind of conflict in us. So I don't want to make it, you know, I, I just think these are normal everyday things that happen for all of us. So I just wanted to make sure Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of leaders are faced with challenges today that they've never been faced with before in yeah. terms of um, how to do what it is that God's called them to do um, mm -hmm. in life. Because, um, you know, I mean, I started homeschooling in September and had to homeschool my daughter for the third grader for the first time. I've never done anything like that before. Wow, yeah. I never would have thought of looking at that as a holy invitation. That was a holy mm. invitation. And now that you put that language to it, I look back on the last four months and I go, wow, it has been a holy invitation for me mm. to experience life and experience God in a totally different way. I mean, I've learned so much about dependence. I've learned so much about prioritizing things mm. in my life. Um, I've learned so much about what's important to me and what's not. Wow. And was there any chaos for you at the beginning of that? Or were you pretty open to it? Were you like, oh, no, there was no chaos at all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're but you know, little things. things can sometimes create a pretty significant amount of chaos in our world, oh, yeah. in our life and leadership. I mean, it doesn't have mm -hmm. to be some sort of big, like you were saying, cataclysmic event, because, you know, just the simple decision. I, my daughter was going to be schooled at home either way. So um, because distance learning was really the mode of learning that happened for fall of 2020. Um, and uh, so she's going to be learning at home either way. But the question of how did I want her to learn was, hmm. you know, one I had to wrestle with and my responsibility as a parent to figure that out. And then I was going to be the one engaging. So what was going to be best for me? Like I had to look at, okay, what is it that I want that I'm good at? Like, how hmm. can I bring my best self forward to that that situation. Um, yeah, it took a lot to be of being able to even look at myself and ask myself questions about what is it that I really want out of this? Um, what is my responsibility? What is not my responsibility? It's like a million and one questions. So mm -hmm. when we face those junctures, mm -hmm. is that part of the thing that creates that mental chaos for us is just kind of the monumentous or the unlimited amount of questions that get thrown at our way and are thrown our way? <laughs> Yeah, questions and possibilities and potential yeah. outcomes. You know, your example is a great one. And then just everyday like conversations with my child or my partner that uh, that I I have some anxiety about. Like, how's this thing going to go? I I want it to go well. And so all of those things um, in our brain can trigger things like negativity bias. Our brain is, you know, predisposed to expecting and interpreting things in a negative light. Um, 
you know, we're wired, we interpret within a fifth of a second, our brain decides whether something is a reward or a threat. And if in it's a, a fifth of a second, a fifth of a second, it's unconscious and immediate. So our brain is just kind of on autopilot, you know, interpreting things um, for us in ways that aren't always aren't always what the most um, aren't necessarily always true or what, you know, we would hope or expect. And so to be able to kind of push pause and like you did process, ask questions, create some space for ourselves to think about possibilities and um, not just let our brain kind of run to the worst and, and decide too quickly for us. I love that uh, idea of taking a pause and how important that is because if our brain moves that fast and mm -hmm. it's evaluating in a fifth of a second, it doesn't give us a whole lot of time to actually um, make a intentional choice in mm -hmm. that situation. So the pause, I think, becomes really important then to step back and evaluate that. So tell me a little bit more about the pause. So the pause is, and this is where um, newer science is showing so many cool things about our ability to create space in our brain. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of the Christ-centered mindfulness practices that are happening are just that. They allow us to create a focus on God and space with God where we're not, our brain isn't running. Um, and by doing that, we create space to listen and notice and wonder um, and entertain options that, again, our brain might kind of short circuit if we, if we let it run amok. So the cool thing about this, Annie, and I just found this, especially as a busy woman leader, um, I, it took me, when I sensed the invitation to pause for even just five minutes a day. And, and that was my, where I started was just, what if I set five minutes a day to just pause and focus and be with God? Um, it took me three months. I am not exaggerating three months to get into what became my prayer chair. Cause I just didn't think I thought, you know, time with God had to be long and I had to journal the whole, and I had to, it just, it felt so, um, time consuming and kind of cumbersome. So the neuroscience is showing that we literally, with certain spiritual practices that are really can be bite-sized and accessible, um, practice just 12 minutes a day mm -hmm. for eight weeks, we literally can rewire our brain um, and create space and not only rewire our brain, or, which in you know spiritual terms, we call renewing our mind. That literally happens when we do these practices. Um, it strengthens our soul, cultivates Christ-like character just by being with God. You know, 12 minutes a day can cultivate Christ-like character and deepen our discernment. Mm. So, you know, the, the need to renew our mind is very real. Yep. And um, the good news is that it doesn't take a ton of time. It just creates intention and um, ways of certain ways of praying that actually do rewire our brain. That 12 minutes becomes a really important moment in time. Yeah, it really does pay big dividends. And the research shows that with those 12 minutes practiced over just eight weeks, literally it shows up on our brain scan mm -hmm. that, the, that the parts of our brain that, um, that tend to be depressive and, and anxious shrink. Wow. And the parts of our brain that are connected to compassion and other centeredness actually enlarge. So mm -hmm. it literally does, you know, change our brain. And 
I personally, after, you know, struggling to get five minutes into a chair years ago um, to do this, didn't think I had the time for five minutes, um, you know, that this time every day is like the sweetest time of my day. It's just, it's a mental vacation. It's a spiritual vacation. Like I just get to sit in God's presence and it is literally, it's, it's about being with God, experiencing God, um, not necessarily talking to God, can involve that, but just literally being, imagining ourselves in God's presence. And I mean, literally, it feels like a vacation every day for me where nothing in my world is trying to, you know, grab a hold of me, my thoughts, my to-dos, my whatever. Um, and I have noticed, I mean, I probably five years ago, I just had this desire to be a non-anxious, less judgmental presence in the world. I just wanted to be able to be present to people. And I, as I looked around at leaders that I admired and spiritual people, friends that I admired, they just had this kind of all will be well kind of um, posture and presence in the world. And I'm like, how did they get that? Because I, I don't got anything of that, of that going on in here. And, you know, there have been moments, I mean, it's not like I woke up one day and said, oh my gosh, that's me. But yeah. there have been moments that I've noticed my response to something that would used to have, you know, stressed me out or elicited some immediate reaction from me. And I'm just calm and, and open and curious. And I think, oh my gosh, I think I'm getting some little measure of that, you know, that um, presence that I, that I had kind of aspired to and prayed for. So yeah, I, I, this can really make us, um, I don't know, different people and um, more calm. And yeah, it can make world. us more of who we want to become. I mean, you, you yes. identified the qualities of the leaders that you admired and you're like, how do I become that? This 12 minutes a day has really been able to transition you to the person that you've wanted to become. Yeah, I'm certainly still on that journey. There's always, yeah. always more, but but yeah, it, it definitely has... Um, yeah, it definitely has. So what, what is it, um, you know, you talked about certain spiritual practices in that 12 minutes that really can uh, alter the brain. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about what are the kinds of spiritual practices that actually uh, do impact that brain? Yes, um, here are a couple, and I really love to share a lot of these. Again, they're just really bite-sized, can be done in the middle of the night when I wake up or maybe in the middle of intense conversation. Um, but I'll give a couple examples. And again, it is just about imagining ourselves um, in presence with God. One of them is breath prayer. Mm -hmm. And um, some people might be familiar with that. A lot of people aren't, but it's just the idea of really connecting with our breath. And by deep breathing in and out, it literally creates and like resets our, our brain and our body. Um, you'll notice that if you breathe deeply, it just some, there's kind of a centering, like all the energy going on in our thinking just kind of recedes into our body and we kind of center and settle in. And then to partner that, that breath with maybe a verse, a Bible verse or um, a meaningful phrase, you know, I've used it as well on an inhale with my soul, you know, when I'm not feeling like it's well with my soul yeah. to just do breath prayer and, and breathe with that. I mean, I am constantly amazed at how something in that just connects me to God in a new way and centers and settles me. So um, breath prayer 
can be yeah. even when we're driving. Yeah. Um, I talked to one leader who said when he had lost his wife and would wake up anxious in the middle of the night, breath prayer became his friend yeah. um, to just kind of soothe that yeah. part of us. So breath prayer is one. And then another that I, that I um, have found really meaningful is praying for others, but doing it more with imagination than with words. Oh, now that sounds interesting. Say more, say more. Yeah. So um, oftentimes we, you know, when we feel called to maybe someone we love and we're concerned about or someone we feel called to maybe intercession for, um, we have our own thing that we know we want for them. God, please do this. Please do that. Um, our own good ideas and intentions. And, you know, that's not bad. Of course, God wants to hear what's in our heart. But this way of praying that is literally acknowledging that God knows more about the person I love and what they need than even I do. Mm -hmm. um, and so how could I join God's prayer for that person, the way Jesus is praying, you know, for, and it's just, I've found this so helpful to just imagine the person that I'm praying for in God's presence. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I picture uh, my son walking along the beach with Jesus and I see them, you know, kind of yucking it up at a distance. I don't know what they're talking about, but I just imagine them together. I prayerfully imagine them together. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I just can imagine them in different ways, being with God or Jesus or whatever feels most relevant. And there's a way that um, it not only feels like I'm um, praying for them and praying that they connect with God, but it also helps me because I suddenly realize I'm not God, even though I sometimes like to think that I am. That, that God, you're the one who can do something for them. I am giving them to your presence. And I can kind of take a load off of myself and feel um, relieved that they're, that God knows and yeah. that God will take care of it. I just even think about like dealing with a difficult person on your team because I have some mm. that have talked about, you know, just like a challenging personality or something like that. And I think sometimes intercessory prayer, whether it's with our kids or a difficult relationship that we have can become or some pain that we see someone else going through, whatever those things are, they can become anxious prayers. Mm -hmm. And intercessory prayer becomes anxious prayer. And I don't think we're called the anxious prayer. I think we're called the intercessory prayer, but I don't think we're called the anxious prayer. But when we, you know, take that responsibility and as parents or as leaders um, or as caregivers, whatever it is, we mm -hmm. can easily take on the burden of the people that we love and care about and our prayers become anxious prayers. Yes. So what I hear this as being is, is, is that using our imagination and using the space in the presence of God to say, they are yours. How do you want me to intercede for them? And there's a surrendering in that that actually puts us all, I think, in a place of peace. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And um, and what you said about the anxiety create, you know, producing prayers, that actually can embed anxiety more deeply in our brain. So oh if God. we pray and verbalize from an anxious place, it literally can can deepen that in our brain. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, when we imagine. Um, the person with God, it just overlays this sense of trust and peace and, um, yeah, and can make, yeah, can just be better for everyone. Yeah. And when, when you talk to about, you know, someone on our team that we're challenged with, I've, I've found Annie that to be so helpful. If, if there's someone I'm having an issue with, or I'm struggling with to just imagine myself, oftentimes it's around a campfire 
It's me and Jesus and the other person. And we're all just sitting around the campfire together and somehow just sitting there in Jesus' presence. The right things shrink that need to shrink and the right things grow that need to grow. Compassion, you know. So, yeah, these can be very, um, yeah, very soothing and centering kind of prayer experiences. So what I hear you saying that is so powerful to me, the, the imagination that I'm having right now is, is that not only is it about you going into his presence for those 12 minutes, that is your sweet time, that is like a retreat for you, but it's also taking that presence with you everywhere you go, whether it's mm. through the breath prayer or the, the empty chair at the meeting, it's like he's coming along with you, um, which is like a really beautiful picture i think of mindfulness of christ-centered mindfulness i think is what you call it that's the word mm. that you use that i love so much mm-hmm. this christ-centered mindfulness is really about yes we do take that space that pause in the brain but then we also take his presence everywhere with us when we go yeah yes and that's actually um that was a very freeing thing for me Annie. again thinking back to how stressed and how many to-dos i had and I just felt overwhelmed at the thought of like spiritual practices and, you know, all these rather austere things I needed to do um, to do it well. And one of the first things I realized in my exploration, my invitation um, to spiritual practices was just experiencing God on the go. Like, okay, God, we're going to have to do this in the car. I'm going to work. I'm, you know, breath prayer and I'll talk to you in the car or, um, I remember seeing things. Um, I was grocery shopping. I had a really pivotal moment. And there was a, a parent putting their child into the back seat, and the child was screaming, didn't want to be, you know, confined in the back seat. And just seeing that and saying, "Okay, here's a prayerful moment." God, that's me. A lot of times, I'm kicking and screaming about stuff, and you know, how can I? So finding ways in everyday life, my everyday life, to see pictures of me or of God or, or how God might be with me was super freeing for me. It didn't, yeah. God on the go, busy people, you know, I love it. Fresh, fun, bite-sized pieces that really help us to connect with God and connect with each other. I love it. It's great. Um, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about either one-on-one spiritual direction, or if they want to learn more about the leadership round tables and what you've got coming up next, how do they reach out to you? Well, there are a couple ways. Um, I they can reach out through uh, a website. My website is www.junctures.net. Great dot net. Yes. Dot net. <laughs> yes. Dot net. Say it, let's say it in dot net. Um, and we'll drop a link in the show notes, so everybody will be able to go there and get it too. But yes, junctures.net. Dot net. Um, and so I would invite people there. Would love to connect with people as well as LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn and. Um, to spell my name right with an I-N um, in Kristen and then an O-N in Evenson. Yeah. Links will be in the show notes so people can get in touch with you and learn a little bit more. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I really appreciate the conversation. Oh, it's just been delightful. I always enjoy my chats with you, Annie. So <laughs> thanks for doing it here. You've been listening to the Side by Side podcast with Annie Purdue Olson and Heidi Zort. Subscribe to get more practical tips women leaders need. Leave us a review. We want to know what you think. We would be so honored if you would share this episode with a friend. And finally, check out our show notes with great links to free practical resources from our guests and ways that you can connect with us. Because we believe we lead better when we lead side by side.